0: So this practice of meditation that uh, we just had the blessing to practice, the practice of mindfulness of breathing that the Buddha taught and practiced himself, the practice that led to his awakening, uh, is a practice of relinquishment, a practice of letting go. So I like to think of it as uh, we're practicing relinquishing. relinquishment on an external and internal level. So in practicing meditation, uh, we're practicing seclusion, relinquishment of various uh, pleasures, various sense pleasures that we might otherwise engage in. Sometimes I refer to these as the pleasures of the world. So in practicing meditation, we're letting go of the phone and the television and reading and all these other things that we might do, conversation with others during the period of meditation. We're uh, letting go, we're letting go of these external sense experiences. So this is such an important element of our practice. Uh, This kind of relinquishment is essential to our uh, our, our mental training. So in any period of sitting, sitting meditation, uh, like the period of sitting meditation that we just had, uh, we're letting go of the pleasures of the world. Our daily meditation, you know, and uh, our, our daily sitting practice is really the heart of our meditation practice, the heart of our mental training. Our daily sitting is a period uh, that we uh, have each day in which we are practicing relinquishment, letting go of the pleasures of the world. So it's strongly encouraged that, uh, and really essential to this practice that we take time every day for this kind of letting go of these pleasures, these external sense experiences, these conditioned things. Uh, retreats are uh, an even greater uh, exercise in letting go, so on uh, the 18th we're going to have a day-long retreat uh, in New York, and on a day-long retreat we're, we're for a day, or really it's till five o'clock, we're letting go of the various pleasures that we might otherwise engage in on a Saturday. I always talk about this and people who come to the retreats regularly would probably say, uh, you know, that I hammer the point. Uh, But, you know, and and of course when I'm usually hammering away, I'm hammering away to the people who are, uh, you know, who are there and are engaging in this practice of relinquishment. But on a on a day-long retreat, you know, people are asked to give up a lot. They are asked to give up all the things that they might do on a Saturday. So that's sort of a decision that we have to make. That's part of uh, the decision that we make in following a spiritual path. What am I gonna do on this Saturday? Am I gonna engage in this, that, or other external sense experience, or am I gonna relinquish those sense experiences and take a day of meditation? And then, of course, on an even longer retreat, like the retreat we're having in April, which everybody here, of course, is invited and encouraged to attend uh, for even an even longer period, eight days where giving up the pleasures of the world or um, many of the pleasures of the world. Uh, so it's an even greater period of, of relinquishment. Uh, so this kind of... Uh, letting go of relinquishment, if it's a, on a residential retreat or a day-long or even in our daily sitting practice if it's for the, you know, half hour or so, whatever it is that we practice every day, uh, this kind of relinquishment is is not necessarily an easy thing for us to do. It's not an easy thing for us to do. Uh, uh, but we do it because... Uh, it uh, it offers us a greater happiness than the happiness of the pleasures of the world. Uh, it's a different kind of a happiness, you know. Uh, this meditation practice of meditation and this kind of letting go uh, uh, brings us peace. Brings us peace. So, you know, when the Buddha talks about happiness, when we talk about happiness of heart, and this is something that we often. Uh, you know, kind of scratch our heads a little bit about, uh, you know, what's meant by this happiness that you're always talking about. The Buddha said the greatest happiness is peace. So when we practice this kind of relinquishment, at first it can be hard, it can be difficult. Uh, We go through periods of withdrawal when we are learning to practice letting go of the pleasures of the world, but, uh, but it leads us to a greater happiness. This is the Buddhist definition of relinquishment or renunciation. You know, when we find a greater happiness, we let go of a lesser happiness for a greater happiness. The happiness that that the the pleasures of the world offer us is, is, you know, we don't debate the fact that there's a happiness that's found in those things. But uh, we're looking for a greater happiness in this life, uh, in following this path. So we come to know this greater happiness when we practice this relinquishment, the happiness of peace. So this is something that we we want to learn to see, uh, to see this happiness, to see peace, to see the peace that we uh, come to know by letting go of these external uh, sense experiences. Uh, So this is what we're asked to do uh, to to know this peace, to see this quality of peace, stillness, tranquility, calm, and see that it's a greater happiness. So it's one thing for me to say that, of course, uh, but this is something that we're asked to see for ourselves. It doesn't mean that much if I say that. You know, the real power of the practice is in what is in what you come to see for yourself. You're asked to see for yourself what leads to a greater happiness. You know, these are we make suggestions. Based on our experience, and uh, you know what the Buddha taught, and what people have been practicing for years and years and years, thousands and thousands of years, uh, that uh, the peace that we know when we let go of the pleasures of the world is a greater happiness. But you have to come to see this for yourself, uh, and to know this peace. You know, as we come to see this. And know it, then we make an effort to practice. We make an even greater effort to practice. Our capacity to practice uh, to a greater extent is going to be uh, uh, something that uh, develops uh, when we understand the benefits of the practice. You know? So, you know, relinquishment is a function of wisdom you know, we'll be more and more inclined to let go of the pleasures of the world when we come to see for ourselves that that conduces to a greater happiness. It's like, do a day-long retreat, do a long retreat, yeah, I'm gonna do that, That's, there's a much greater, there's a great happiness in that. There's the happiness of peace, the happiness of stillness, the happiness of tranquility that we know. So we, the more we understand this and see this peace and get to know it, to really know it, uh, the more we are inclined to let go of the things of the world. There is a happiness that's greater than the things of the world. So in the meditation itself we are uh, also practicing an internal letting go, right, an internal uh, relinquishment. Uh, it really begins in the meditation internally, uh, and this is such an essential part of the meditation, with letting go of thinking, with letting go of thinking. Uh, so I always uh, like to speak about how the Buddha talks about thinking Uh, fabricating, the ways that we fabricate as uh, the effluence, you know, that which flows out. So uh, there's this flow out of our mind, uh, you know, which is, uh, uh, which is our thinking, you know, and we're, you know, there's, there's this kind of ongoing outflow of thinking in the mind. So he uses this term, effluence, effluence, and outflow. It's really kind of like a gushing, most, most of the time. So, in, in meditation, we are, uh, you know, bringing the mind in and settling the mind in on the breath, and to the best of our ability, you know, we're abandoning the thinking. We're abandoning the thinking. Uh, you know, and of course, at the beginning, it kind of starts with, in large part, you know, we're just we're cutting off the outflow. You know we're cutting off the outflow by just um, focusing that attention on that one object you know there's a quality of I mean we're always trying to cut off the outflow uh, but you know the beginning there's like in out in out you know or do. you know and gradually of course we cultivate that easeful breath and the mind says starts to incline in a little bit more and more it starts to incline. And the more we have wisdom, the more the mind inclines in to the breath because it knows that it's a better place to be than being in that outflow of thinking. So, uh, but, you know, of course we, we start with this. I mean, the first thing you learn to do in meditate is keep your mind on the breath and insight meditation practice the way that we practice it. You know, you know it, I mean, it, it always struck me kind of... Uh, uh, Right from the beginning, when I first started teaching uh, beginners meditation classes, almost 25 years to the day, uh, right around this time in 1978, I started teaching. And, you know, it's sort of like the first thing that we teach people on the first day that they come to their first meditation class, we start asking them to do the hardest thing that there is possible to do, (laughs) you know, to, to curtail your thinking. Yeah, there's nothing harder than that, you know? There's nothing harder than that. Uh, so, you know, we, you know, right from the beginning, the meditation is this process of letting go, of thinking, right? Of putting aside our uh, thinking. You know, so we start to learn to do this. We do this in our practice, and it leads to calm. It leads to tranquility. It leads to peace. In meditation, uh, as the Buddha characterised it, is a training for peace. We make the determination in practising meditation to train for peace. When we're in that those states of thinking, uh, you know, and we're, again we're talking about our unskillful thinking, which you know habitually is primarily what our thinking is comprised of. Uh, uh, when we're in those states of thinking states of becoming, as the Buddha described them. Uh, when we the effluents are flowing, we're in a state of non-peace. We're in a state of agitation, non-calm, non-tranquility, dis-ease, dis-ease. I mean, the mind that's uh, flowing out, you know, that's sort of the picture of the mind that is uh, in a state of dukkha, in a state of suffering. So. Uh, you know, what we're asked to do uh, is to uh, see that as the mind settles down onto the breath and as we let go of the thinking, there's greater calm, tranquility, peace. And we're, we're also asked to see what it's like, of course, when the mind is engaged in, in the, the outflow of thinking and to see that that's a state of non-peace So the Buddha said train for peace, train for peace. Uh, I think, you know, it's really important if we look at what he's asking us to do, he's asking us to uh, participate in a training, a training. Uh, so it's just like an athlete who's training for her sport or a musician who's training for uh, his you know, to be good at his instrument, you know? You know it, it requires a lot of effort and determination, right? It's a, it's a training, a process of training, training the mind. So it requires effort, determination. Determination is the effort that we make over a period of time. You know, as I always say, over days, weeks, months, years, decades, you know, training the mind in this way, training for peace, requires hard work. That may seem somewhat paradoxical to us. You know, we think, oh, I'm just going to be peaceful. That's kind of a very uh, naive way of thinking about it. You know, training for peace, you know, it's, that's as naive as people who say, oh, well, I'm going to teach people how to bring peace into the world when I don't really know anything about peace myself. You know, you know it's, just, we're just, it's just going to happen. It's a training. Peace is something that's very profound. It's the most profound thing that there is. It's the most profound thing that there is. So we're blessed to really be able to learn this, but I don't know that we always think about it that way. Right? So that's what this talk is about. You know, this training for peace is a very profound training, uh, but it requires effort and determination. So over time, uh, we develop deeper and deeper levels of peace. We go to deeper and deeper levels of peace. And that's something that's very hard to understand until you begin the process or until you get more further into the process of understanding what peace is and uh, and, 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 and seeing where you are and beginning to start to see uh, that you can go even deeper. But over time, we develop deeper and deeper levels. So as we develop our meditation, as we learn to let go of the thinking, as we develop the states of jhana, which enable the mind to start to incline more in. So at first, we're kind of forcing the mind onto the breath and kind of cutting the thoughts off if we can. Gradually, we're training ourselves in a way that we're training the mind to go in the mind will go in uh, when uh, the breath feels comfortable, and when the body feels and is in a state of bliss. That's the point at which the mind says, "This is good. I want to be here. I don't really care about thinking about all that other stuff so much." So we're developing jhana uh, so that we can go to deeper and levels of peace, and then, of course, uh, as we develop. Uh, these deeper levels of peace, then we're in a position to start to understand non-peace. We're in a position to start to understand the ways that we fabricate uh, that lead to suffering. So the deepest state of peace is nibbana. But the practice is a practice of deepening levels of peace, knowing deepening levels of peace. Nibbana is the ultimate peace and the ultimate happiness when there's a complete letting go of all thinking and no more interest in the thinking and in uh, the conditioned things that we're so uh, uh, enamored with or enchanted with, right? So. It's very important uh, in this practice to understand that we're training for peace and to develop the perception of peace, to develop the perception of peace, to know peace. Uh, So it's a practice of cultivating peace and then seeing it. There tends to be a gap between cultivating certain qualities and then actually seeing them and knowing them. So what we're asked to do in the meditation as we're cultivating peace is to start to recognize it, right? I alluded to this a little bit in the sitting today. Oh, there's peace. There's stillness. So you're starting to recognize uh, the that quality of peace. There's peace. There's stillness. You don't even have to say that. You can go, Internally, silently, to yourself. you know. And then during the day, you notice, you, you stop, you pause. Oh, there's peace. There's stillness. Can I find peace right now? Like right now? Like right now? The peace is there, right? Peace is there, and your capacity to connect to it is dependent is you know will 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 develop as you develop your meditation but also as you learn to see it and identify it and you develop that perception of it then you can begin to incline to it more and more and of course you know and we we had a good conversation about this in in our in-person class in new york the other day a lot of the ways that this often manifests is uh, we see that we're in a state of non-peace. We see that we're in an outflow. Oh, I'm in an outflow. I'm in an outflow of thinking. Uh, I'm not present. Can I bring the attention in to the breath? But you know, can I find peace in this moment? Can I find peace in this moment? You know, this is this is a like a really important thing to do because then you start to develop uh, what. And as says, an understanding of duality, you know, it's like, that's what it's like when my mind is in an outflow, this is what it's like when I bring it in and know peace. Can I know this peace within, in this moment, wherever I am? So, you know, seeing, that's alertness, right? That's sampajana, you know, seeing where we are. Am I in a state of peace? Am I inclining to peace? Or am I in a state of non-peace agitation? Uh, our practice, uh, you know, the more that we uh, practice, the more that we're able to incline to peace, the more that we know this quality of peace or stillness or calmness, tranquility, uh, then the more uh, we're able to incline to it because we've learned how to identify it, and the more we incline to it because we understand the benefit in it, right? We understand the benefit of it. So, ultimately, we learn to incline to peace. You know, we're training ourselves so that we can incline to peace. Uh, We tend to incline to agitation. That's the term I always love that, you know, the Buddha uses, the inclination of our awareness. You know, the inclination of our awareness tends to be towards thoughts, primarily towards thoughts and sense experience, external sense experience, right? So the inclination of our awareness tends to be towards uh, these thought fabrications that are stressful. And that's what our mind is doing throughout the course of the day. No wonder why we're a basket of nerves, you know? No wonder why we're not happy, right? It's because of the mind. It's because of what you're doing with the mind, what we're doing with the mind. So what we're learning to do, but you know, part of the problem there is we don't realize we have an alternative, right? Like before, I came to meditation. It's like I didn't know I had an alternative. I said, "That's that's what I am. I'm a basket of nerves. I'm a, I'm out of sorts. I'm an uptight dude. You know, this is who I am. This is what I didn't realize there was a choice. So this is freedom. This is freedom. you 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 can you have you can choose peace or non-peace. You know, you're be, we're learning to see that. The more you understand what peace is, the more you begin to understand that you have choices. So. We're learning to change the inclination of our awareness away from those thoughts that are fraught with aversion and desire that cause great agitation toward the peace that's inside, the peace that's there and available to us. And the peace is inside, right? It's inside you. You know, Inside you, there's that quality of stillness, calmness, tranquility. And we're learning to know that our tendency is not to notice peace. Not to notice peace. Uh, I would I would often, it would always be remarkable to me when I would teach beginner's classes, which I still teach sometimes, uh, it's the kind of thing that's a little bit easier to do in an in-person class, but Uh, You know, I'd be teaching first, second, third class in a beginner's course and, you know, invariably in almost every class, somebody would get their hand up after the meditation, you know, we'd meditate and somebody would say, ah, you know, it's just like I just didn't really have a very good meditation. My mind kept wandering. I kept bringing it back. It kept wandering. You know, they were a little uh, disappointed in in their performance. Uh, Doubt, you know, doubt. You know, that tends to be what happens a lot. You know, there's doubt, you know, I'm just not keeping the mind and the breath. I can't do it. And, uh, you know, and and so, you know, the person would kind of go through their little story about their meditation and I would say, how do you feel now, you know? And I could tell they were in a a state of greater calmness than they were when they walked into the room. And I would say, how do you feel now? And I always just knew because I knew I mean, I can tell, but, you know, I also know that what happens is if you start to, you know, you start to curtail the effluence, you're going to start to come into a greater state of calmness. I have, you know, pretty much unvarying confidence in that. So I was confident in asking those students, so how do you feel now? And they'd say, oh, I feel great. I feel really calm. Oh, okay. But they'd see they didn't notice that. It doesn't tend to be a thing that we're noticing. We're noticing, oh, I missed that breath, oh, I can't do this. You know, the mind is inclining to thoughts that are, you know, that are uh, stressful. You know, we don't notice the calmness, right? We don't notice the calmness. I mean, you may have noticed the calmness, or you may notice the calmness right now that comes after having meditated for a half hour. Or you may notice that calmness that tranquility, that quality of peace that's there now uh, given the amount of time you've put into your meditation practice. But, you know, we may tend to notice that a little bit if we're more experienced because we've been training ourselves to notice it. You have to train yourself to notice it. That's part of the training. You know, peace is subtle. Calmness is subtle. You know, we don't notice these things that are sometimes hard to notice, right? You know, and, of course, what we're asked to do is to know that quality of peace in the body. So the more embodied we are, the more body awareness that we have, the more we're able to touch into and to know that quality of peace internally. It's an internal experience. We're always looking externally, externally. You know? So it's subtle, right? It's subtle. It's supposed to be subtle. Peace isn't loud. Peace is very soft. It's silent. We're noticing the silence we're noticing the silence. And of course we we often discount, disvalue, disvalue peace, right? You know, we tend to live in a world where uh, we incline to things that are loud and flashy. So peace may not be high on our list of values. The Dharma practice is a, a revaluing or revaluing as Nietzsche said you know, we're, we're learning to value different things you know most of my my misspent youth you know I valued things that were loud and, and brash you know? So we have to learn to see peace to see the benefits of the training to see the benefits of peace. to see for ourselves, to see for ourselves. Now, ultimately, engaging in this training and knowing peace enables us to know non-peace. That's a little paradoxical, right? We sort of want to understand our dukkha and our suffering. But in order to understand dukkha, to understand your suffering, to really understand uh, non-peace, you have to understand peace. You know, once you begin to know what peace is, then we're able to uh, discern what non-peace is, what dukkha is. You know, if all you know is dukkha, you know, it's like it's hard to, uh, you know, if that's all you know is non-peace, uh, you know, it, it, it's really hard to understand what it is. But once you begin to understand peace, then you start to. You know, you start to be able to compare and contrast. It's like with the breath, you know, it's like it's really hard to see dis-ease in the breath, but once you learn to cultivate a really easeful breath, then, you know, it's like when I look at the breath, you know, it's like, well, what is the breath like? And I'm sort of thinking, I'm remembering what a really easeful breath is like. And it's like, do I feel that? No, I feel tightness, tension. The more you begin to understand what peace is, the more you're able to identify and understand what non-peace is. The more you know peace, the more you have an impetus to abandon non-peace, to abandon dukkha. The more you taste peace, the more inclined you are to follow the path. So at that level of stream entry, that first level of awakening, you know, we've had a very profound uh, development in our understanding of what peace is. And at that point it's like, I'm on this path, I'm going to see it through till the end, because I have understand the great blessing of the path, which is that it leads us to peace. And if we train for peace, if we know peace, then we're able to really be an embodiment of peace, you know. And then we're in a position to bring that into the world, to teach others, if you will. You know, one of the things the Buddha teaches, and what I always tell Dharma student, students who, you know, in their uh, zealousness might think about being teachers, is you can't teach what you don't know. You know, and if you want to be a teacher, you have to understand, uh, you know the practice and 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 you have to be able to teach and you know based on what you've come to understand for yourself Uh, so uh, once we're able to know peace for ourselves then we're able to teach that to others and I'm not talking necessarily about Dhamma teachers you know I'm talking about being a messenger for peace in the world a lot of times the people who want to try to bring peace to the world aren't very peaceful themselves and really don't know that much about peace right The ones who've been successful in doing that have truly understood that. Which, you know, it all comes back to the basic premise that the Buddha starts us with. It begins with you. Begins with you. You know, we're asked to be an embodiment of peace. And that process, that practice really begins with your daily sitting. It begins with your daily meditation. It's that training, the heart of the training is the daily sitting, you know, is taking that time every day to train for peace.